coming up on this week in Radio Tech, we're underneath a 900 and some foot tower and ice is falling on the building. I can't wait to do the show with Russ Lafferty. It's coming up next on Twerks. This Week in Radio Tech is brought to you by Broadcasters General Store with outstanding service, savings, and support online at bgs.cc. By Broadcast Bionics with the Bionic Studio, including talk show control, social media, and visual radio, Broadcast Bionics brings exceptional audience engagement to radio and TV. By Angry Audio. Audio problems disappear when you get angry at angryaudio.com. By Nautel, worry-free transmission you can count on with outstanding control, reliability, efficiencies, and Nautel's unmatched 24-7 customer support online at Nautel.com. And by MaxConnect Wireless, prioritized high-speed internet service designed for transmitter sites and remote broadcasts. Hey, welcome into This Week in Radio Check, the show where we talk about everything from uh, the microphone to the light bulb that's at the top of this tower some almost a 1,000 feet up. Hey, I'm Kirk Harnack. We are in Boyle, Mississippi, <laughs> where there's a 1,000-foot television tower that we've just installed an FM station on. We'll be telling you about that, along with the man who made a lot of this happen. That's Russ Lafferty. I'm Kirk Harnack. Our show is uh, brought to you in part by some great sponsors. I want to mention the Telos Alliance. It's my employer. Normally, I'm doing this show from the Telos Alliance studio at my, uh, my office in Nashville, Tennessee, but today we're out on location. Um, and we'll have a few more sponsors. I'd love, love it if you would patronize these people. Uh, so Chris Tarr said he probably won't be with us today. He's in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, uh, wrestling with some network problems and getting those wrangled back into shape. But that's no problem because we've got a kind of a war stories episode for you today. And our guest, Russ Lafferty, is gonna have some interesting war stories about radio engineering, especially in eastern Kentucky. So we're going to check in with Russ about that. Let's say hi to Russ right now. Hello, Russ. Good to see you, man. Nice to meet you, sir. Yes, sir. You Again. are you're, you're a contract engineer from Kentucky. Yes, sir. Tell me, uh, east Kentucky? Eastern Kentucky, a little town called Oxshire. Uh, very small, but <laughs> I travel a lot. I was, uh, I was looking at a map, and it seemed like right there in the town center, Google popped up and made sure I wanted to know about the fine liquor store right there at the T in, in the road. Oh, yes. Yeah, we, we have to have one. <laughs> How long have you been an engineer? Uh, thirty, Almost 34 years now. Wow. Wow. It's amazing that I used to engineer in East Kentucky for some people that you know. That was back, oh, my goodness, that was uh, 25, 28, 30 years ago. And yet we never got to cross paths when I was engineering uh, a little bit in East Kentucky. Mm. I, I didn't have very many customers back then. I mainly had one and then two or three satellite stations. Yeah. You take care of AM and FM stations both? Yes. Everything and everything from the from the bullet uh, to the light, like you said. <laughs> so, uh, hey, real quick, uh, we're going to hear a little bit about Nautel and what they're doing for their Transmission Talk Tuesdays. But first, tell me about the site that we're at. I actually used to live about a mile down the road from this site. Uh, really? And uh, yeah, but that was, oh my goodness, that 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 was uh, uh, back in 1999, 2000. Uh, no, I, I think I moved here in '97 and lived here uh, until until uh, 2001. So I lived here four years, about a mile down the road from here. Well, this tower was here then. Yeah, yeah, it's been here a while. Tell me about this. I think this. They said it was put up in the '80s, the early '80s. Uh huh. It's uh, 900 and something, 940, I think, almost 950 feet. 
Uh, we installed the, the antennas for this at 600, uh, the center radiation at 640, and uh, ran the cable, hooked it up, and uh, now it's full of ice. Now, this, this tower uh, for years belonged to a TV station, WXVT, uh, in Greenville, Mississippi. They were on Channel 15. There's been a lot of shuffling, and it's owned by one of the, one of the tower uh, uh, real estate Vertical firms. Bridge Vertical Bridge. Vertical Bridge. Okay. Yes. And uh, this, is a pretty, this is a big face tower. I mean, it's a seven-foot seven foot face. Seven-foot face. And uh, the antenna that you just put up there, or you, your tower crew did, uh, tell me about the antenna. It's a, an 8-bay PSI antenna. Okay. Um, I'm tuned to 105.7. And it's, it's leg-mounted on this tower. Yes. Because right? the face mount would be a pretty big yeah, mount. Yeah, you couldn't, you couldn't really do it. The, the uh, brackets are too far apart. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's mounted on one of the legs. Good deal. And now, so this is the new transmission site for what station? WDTL 105.7. You know, those call letters have been around a long time. Delta Country. Yeah. Those call letters were here in the early 1990s when um, when I was engineering here, living in Memphis, and Larry Fuss put up WDTL on 92.7 or 9? I don't know what it was then. Yeah, okay. I forget to myself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, well, I haven't been coming down here, but maybe seven, eight years. Yeah. So yeah. Some of the earlier stuff I'm not familiar with. But this WDTL actually uh, is licensed to Indianola, Mississippi. Oh, it is. Isn't it? I think it's now licensed to here. It was moved. Oh, it, he yeah, moved but before it was the heads. Or it, what it, is that Leland? Yeah, but it, but it was actually licensed to it. Okay. This, this is the FM that WNLA used to have, okay. side-mounted on their AM tower. Okay. And WNLA, little piece of history, was a station that was owned by Eddie Fritz uh, Jr., who was the president of the NAB. Uh, Eddie Fritz Jr. owned what eventually became this radio station. Okay, well, Mr. Fuss bought him. I guess he's done some shuffling around. Oh, and yeah. Well, and then after uh, Eddie Fritz owned this station, um, it was owned by Jerry Brophy. And I actually did some engineering work for Jerry Brophy back in the 1990s. And uh, then Mr. Brophy actually passed away not, not too long ago. Uh, and um, uh, Jerry sold out to another company that was based out of Nashville. And then... Um, I forget how it all worked. Anyway, Larry ended up with the radio station, and now here we are upgrading it to uh, what was it? What is this? A C C two? Yeah. Wow. Uh, hey, we're going to talk more about the transmitter. It just got installed, uh, the uh, antenna, and then we're going to hear some war stories from my friend Russ Lafferty. And you can really identify with some of these stories. I'm sure you probably have some of your own that they'll make you think of. I'm Kirk Harnack on this week in Radio Tech. And our show is brought to you in part by Nautel. Nautel is resuming this month, February, they're resuming their Transmission Talk Tuesdays. Uh, coming up on Valentine's Day, February 14th, that's when they're restarting. You can go register right now if you go to nautel.com slash webinars and then click on the Transmission Talk Tuesday, you'll see it. This, this uh, February 14th, that's a week from this Tuesday, they have a Transmission Talk Tuesday that's about Smith Charts, M-E-R, and more. The guest is Stephen Lockwood, and oh my goodness, Stephen is one of the smartest and nicest consulting engineers that you'll ever find. He travels literally the world to uh, uh, solve really difficult engineering problems with uh, antennas and AM directional systems and shortwave systems. Steve's a great guy. He's with Hatfield and Dawson. 
consulting engineers. Also coming up in February on the 21st, a Transmission Talk Tuesday about spectrum analyzers. And on February 28th, thermal Im imaging devices with Gary Cavell of Cavell, Mertz, and Associates. Um, so you're going to want to check these out. But the next one, go ahead and get registered. I have for Transmission Talk Tuesday on February the 14th. That's a nice way to spend an hour on Valentine's Day. <laughs> you may or may not want to invite your spouse. Not too many spouses are all that interested in, in uh, you know, uh, propagation and Smith charts. <laughs> but you can be for a little while. I think Smith charts pretty fat. You ever try to read those things? Smith yeah, charts? they're difficult. Yeah. If, if you know what you're doing, you can glean a great deal of information. And I know what I'm doing a little bit. Yeah. So, it's about me. It's kind of, kind of rough. Get over the rough spots. Let's talk about this installation here. Um, when did you put this transmitter in? It was installed on the 21st. Oh, okay. So it's been in about, what, 11 days. All right. And I, it does have a fault on it. We, and We're having an ice storm. Tell us what started happening a few days ago here. Uh, it, it started raining ice and being about between 26 and 28 degrees, and it's been doing it for four days straight. Oh, wow. And we have a lot of ice on the antennas yeah. right now. Uh, Larry Fuss, Delta Radio, there's about um, 10 stations in this area, and stations and translators together. And I think every single one of them is throttled back. Um, uh, and, and I want to ask you about a kind of a plan around that, but we've got a couple of stations that throttle backs that uh, are so iced up, and the antennas were pretty susceptible. And, you know, you think in Mississippi you wouldn't need that, but it's not always hot in Mississippi. No. And when Mississippi gets bad weather in the winter, it sometimes involves ice. Yes, it does. It, it's where, the, where you're close to the Gulf, I guess. You get the moisture out of the Gulf, and if you get a cold, cold air, you know, there it comes. This is, I think, my second or third ice storm since I've been working for Mr. Puss down oh, here. Wow. Not horribly bad like the one I think they had, what, back in the 90s? You were here for that? Uh, oh, yeah, I was here for that, yeah. Yeah, they said that was a really bad one, but we haven't anything that bad. This is the second one I can remember that we've had to throttle the, the stations down. You mentioned the ice storm. It was in 1994, almost to the day, February, and that ice storm was so bad that Literally, almost everything in this area, if it was over 100 feet tall, it became 100 feet tall. In other words, trees, power lines, power poles for miles were just snapped off. The, the big transmission line, the cross-country transmission lines, down. Yeah, it, it took uh, one community, it took uh, six weeks to restore power to uh, one community up the road here. But of all the things that were down, including all of, I was part owner of the station back then, including all our competitors' towers were down. But one tower stayed up, and that was our station, same call letters, WDTL. If it had fallen down, it might have hit the produce section at the Kroger because it was just off the side of the Kroger. Now those call letters are right here. But that tower was bent like an S under the weight of all the ice. And we had no power, so we had people offering generators to come get us back on the air. Mm -hmm. And eventually, I think some people from the National Guard Armory brought a, a big, not that we needed a big generator, but they brought a big generator out, and we ran on that for, I forget if it was a few days or a, or a week before the power company had power restored. So back to the ice. Uh, for those who may be new to this or not experienced ice, 
what does ice do to an FM antenna? It increases the diameter of, of each element. Right. And the diameter is part of what makes it tuned to the frequency that it's on. So it just thinks it's fatter and gives it more surface area, so it throws it way out of tune. Now, some antennas are designed, I know that the folks at ERI design their antennas to put up with a little bit of ice, and I'm told that they actually uh, sell them to you slightly out of tune, not bad at all, but just slightly. So if they do ice up, they actually come more in tune before they go back out of tune. Um, now, we have a couple of antennas here that seem to have done better than others. Those antennas that are externally fed, they have an external feed point, there's an insulator and a feed point, those tend to suffer more than an antenna design with an internal feed point like an ERI, uh, like some PSI. Ice is water and water conductor, so if you've got an external feed point and it feeds over to the ground side, you know, it's partially shorted. But on a couple towers, we've got backup antennas that are broadband. They cover the FM band with a pretty low reflected power across the whole bands. They have more tolerance. So uh, on a couple stations, the multi-bay antenna was so bad we couldn't operate into it. So we we plugged the broadband antenna, even though we have to operate at a lower power, plugged the broadband antenna into the transmitter, and I've been amazed. Even I iced up. Too, yeah, was, what's happening? better than I thought they would do, yeah. um, the broadband one. Um, they're also made a little different, too. They're more of an angle on the elements, so the ice doesn't probably didn't stick on them as much as it did the circular, you know, the ones that are got a lot of horizontal area. Yeah. Like the vertical, you know, we have a vertical also that doesn't have any reflected on it almost at all. Well, I did, uh, I did one of these and, and plugged the broadband antenna in. We turned the transmitter on, which just on the normal antenna had been experiencing uh, on the order of uh, 300 watts forward and 50 watts reflected. Mm-hmm. On the broadband, this is on a station that normally has a, about a thousand watt TPO. On the broadband, we could easily make the antenna of uh, the transmitter run. 800 watts forward and getting maybe one watt reflected on the broadband antenna. And I was amazed at how useful that antenna was. That would be a, it would be a good idea for anyone to have a backup like that. Something with a, with a, um, a frequency agile transmitter. Yeah. Put it on any frequency you need. Yeah. If you can feed the correct audio to it. Yeah. If you feed the correct audio to it. Hey, we're talking to Russ Lafferty and we're going to hear some of Russ's war stories in just a minute. I'm Kirk Harnack, and it's This Week in Radio Tech, episode 630. Our show is brought to you in part by our friends at Broadcast Bionics. We'll be right back. Welcome to the Bionic Studio. The Bionic Studio brings all audience interaction to the fingertips of a production team in radio, TV, and podcast. Our workflow-led system is working 24-7 around the world for small broadcasters and national and international networks. Our telephony module, Bionic Talk Show, allows cost-effective centralization, remote operation, scalability, and resilience across an entire network of stations, but at the same time is used in single-studio self-op environments. Social media curation and activity is now considered a broadcast-critical part of programming. Bionic Social means the studio isn't overwhelmed with a wall of interaction from an ever-growing number of social platforms. We combine SMS, MMS and email together with a speech-to-text service for listeners using smart speakers. We enable studio teams to curate, filter and display all platforms in one place and post text, images and video content to multiple platforms in one operation. 
effortless collection of video content with Bionic Director has helped position some of the world's most successful stations as leaders in viral content, generating appointments to listen and free marketing via retweets and shares. Bionic Contest enables end-to-end tracking of on-air competitions, live reads and prizes. These could be on-air contests, automated SMS entry or online. Anywhere and Skype TX for Radio brings high-quality audio and video contribution into the studio with ease. No need for dedicated PCs to run different applications. Everything is controlled within the Bionic Studio UI. And incoming connections are visible to users along with all other platforms. Our codec integration enables connection, algorithm configuration and directory to a wide range of IP and ISDN codecs. The Bionic Studio, a unique suite of products designed to enable your talent to work smarter. Thanks a lot to Broadcast Bionics for sponsoring This Week in Radio Tech. Oh man, they've got some cool stuff at Broadcast Bionics. One thing that I recommend to a lot of folks is their X-Screen call screening software. We've had commercials just about that in the past, but that's one of the most useful pieces of software you'll find out there to do any kind of call screening especially if you have one of the Telos multi-line phone systems. Well, that's what they work with. And uh, just great stuff for broadcast bionics. Check them out. And thanks for sponsoring This Week in Radio Tech. Hey, I'm Kirk Harnack. We're at a transmitter site. It's a little bit noisy, and uh, Russ is going to explain why it's noisier than it might normally be. Um, we're at a transmitter site in the little hamlet of Boyle, Mississippi. Actually, we're not even in Boyle, Mississippi. We are southeast of Boyle, Mississippi at the uh, tower site, uh, now owned by, who was it? Vertical uh, Bridge. Vertical Bridge, uh, but it used to be WXVT Television. Now, I think there they're is They're still a, on it. Well, they're still on they're it. They're still using it. Also, the TCT uh, Christian Network. Oh, okay. Yeah, so there's, there's two TV there's stations. two TV here. stations here. Their transmitters are in a different building behind us. Just, yes. Right over there. This building, tell me about this building. It hadn't always been here. No, Larry, uh, Mr. Fuss bought this, I think, from, from Nashville. Well, no, no, this one came... From a broker in St. Louis. Okay, I'm sorry. Yes, he had the other one. I'm sorry. Yeah, this one came from there. They had it trucked in and lifted in here with a crane yeah. over the fence. Oh, and, my God. And, I saw pictures. Yes, and set it here where it is, and it's stable. It's leisure. I love these things. This thing is a fabulous building. Wow. It's like you said, it's almost a Faraday cage. Well, um, and by the way, that leads us to another thing. Uh, we'll, we'll tell this little story first, and then we'll ask why the light's flashing on the Nautel. So this is new, and... Uh, what a couple, couple, three weeks ago, you set up an IP link between same, this, same, day, same time we put transmitter in. Yeah, okay. So About on, 10 on days, 23rd, 10, 12 days 21st, ago. Um, you, you installed a ubiquity IP link between the studio and here. Yes. And getting getting good speed out of it. It's signal strength is great. And, and it extends our network at the studio out to here. It's an encrypted link. Yeah. And uh, so we. Things in here are just like they would be at the station. Yeah. On the same exact um, network. It's like an extension, but a different switch. However, we've got this ice storm going on, and just this afternoon, during a meeting with my colleague at Telos Alliance, our internet has failed at the studio. Now, we were worried, well, what, what's going on here? We came out here, and we've got no internet here, but we do have terrific network connectivity to the studio. Yeah. The studio just can't talk to the internet right now. Right. And we have fiber here, so we're really surprised. It has, it's, this is the first time it's gone out. Um, so anyway, I thought, oh, can we even do the show today? Can we even do twerk? 
And I was about ready to give up. And I re remembered, oh my goodness, we've got Max Connect Wireless. I brought it with me. That was smart. I brought a Max Connect. So today's show, and it's a little unusual that we do the show over Max Connect Wireless, but we have them with us. It's coming over Max Connect Wireless, which is sitting behind me over here. Here, I'll, 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 uh, I'll turn the camera. There we go. Our show is coming to you through Max Connect Wireless right there. It's a pep wave modem, and uh, we did a speed test on it. The speed isn't spectacular, but it's not supposed to be. Uh, our speed is running about uh, 15, 15 down and 8 up. 15 down, 8 up. So, and it's been very good. Very good. Um, I'm impressed with that, too. That's handy. I was really hoping to get the studio internet because that's 250 meg or something like that, and, mm. and it's bi-directional. It's just great. And the link out here is running about 60 meg. Right. So it, it's good. Yeah, and, you know, the ice did not bother that at all. I was surprised. Yeah. It didn't bother any of the links. Yeah. So. Um, hey, something that you put up is something that I looked for and couldn't find. Uh, we've got a lot of the Ubiquiti IP radios, um, and I've got a couple different models. I've got the Air Fiber 5s. Uh, I've got the, the uh, power beams, typically with the 500-millimeter uh, dish. But you found a bigger dish. 620 millimeters. AC 620s. Yeah. And you just found that dealer on Amazon, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did searches for it. Now, I've had them for probably nine months or something. I've had them in storage. Okay. And then he said, well, we need a link out there. I said, I've got just what we need. And that should be for it's nine miles. Nine miles. And, yeah. it's, and it's, a, it's, a great, it's a great link. In fact, we're getting like a minus 64 dBm signal here, which is plenty. Right. I'm, I'm happy with, you know, minus 70, but it's minus 64, so it's. I have, a, I have a link on a set of those in West Virginia running 31 miles. Tell me about that. It's from um, Craigsville, West Virginia to Beckley, West Virginia, from a mountaintop to a mountaintop, so okay. there's nothing in between. Yeah, the Fresnel zone is clear. Yes, very clear. It's one like one of the highest mountains at 3,400 feet to another one. It's almost the same height. And we run uh, the control and the audio and everything through it. Now, right now, we're using an older codec to run left and right compressed audio out to here. Uh, it's an old Netstar codec made by Musicam, and we've got it set for AAC at 256 kilobits, right. which is really good. And then we're running an IX. This is temporary. Uh, it's off camera, but um, uh, Russ has a rack that's going to get installed later today. and Probably tomorrow, tomorrow now. Okay. Well, I'm going to wait until we get the X nodes in. Oh, that's right. So right now we're using codec to bring audio out here and then processing out here. But they were supposed to be delivered Tuesday. But we had an ice storm. So FedEx has not been by this week them. at all. No, Mr. Fuss is not happy about that either. <laughs> but we've got a couple of the Omnia MPX nodes with that, that do micro MPX. So the Omnia 6 will go back to the studio, and then we'll use micro MPX to shoot uh, IP, uh, MPX over IP, uh, uh, over to here. Yeah. So all the, all the processing stuff will be at the studio, which is a lot more handy. And the RDS will be at the studio. Right. Yeah, everything will come out of there. So the only thing we'll need here is the switch and go straight into the transmitter. Yeah. And even if the Internet goes off at the studio, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. As we'll long as we have the audio at the studio, it'll get here. All right. Uh, all right. Let's talk for a minute about the Nautel transmitter. This one is the NV10LT, and that means it doesn't have the big AUI. It doesn't display. have the, the touchscreen. Yeah. And the computer and, and all that in it. But if you remote into it, you get the full you get AUI. The, you get the same uh, AUI okay. that you would get here. So there's two things happening right now that wouldn't normally happen with this transmitter. There's a 
fault light on, and the fans are blowing at, at full speed. Full speed. Now, right. tell me about that. Well, like most most of the transmitters do this, too. If, if there's a fault, they go ahead and turn all the fans on high speed just for a safety feature. Right. So once once the fault goes off, once the ice goes around and goes away and we lose, lose all this reflected power, everything will go back to normal. Gotcha. So the fans will reduce. We hope. So we can do a show out here and not have so much noise. It's noisy in here right now. Yeah. For, for these transmitters, this is noisy. They're usually fairly quiet. Um, another topic that we ought to cover, let me see what time it is here, okay, um, is the Burke remote controls. Now, when we started Delta Radio, I mean, back in the 90s, we started putting what was popular then was sign systems. And so we got a bunch of the sign remote controls around here. But you've been replacing those with some Burke remote controls. And, and I have, up until I met you, I had zero experience with the Burks. And so many of my engineering friends love them, and you're pretty good with them. So tell me uh, what you like about these Burke remote controls and the autopilot. The, the autopilot is, is the key. It's, it's customizable. You can make your screen the way anything that you want with meters and, and switches and, and status um, displays. Yeah. Um, alerts. Alerts. You can have it email you. And it'll email you immediately. It's, it's no, you know, you set your own time delays. And on most of the alarms, I think the only one that's, that's instantaneous is if it loses connection with one of its units. Yeah. Um, we have two units in, in use right now at two different sites. And they both have, they both look identical. They're on the screen. Um, you can see instantaneous how your metering is doing. Uh, tower lights, audio, anything you want. Um, when... Uh when I first heard about, what are the units called that are at the transmitter sites? The um, uh, um, ARC, let's see, ARC plus, yeah, something, plus X. Plus X. Plus X, that's it. Yeah, got me. I got some incorrect information from somebody, uh, from a dealer, uh, about how they had to connect over a network. I was told they had to be on the same LAN, and that's not exactly right. You can do a VPN or... You can open certain ports, and that only go to your Burke, right. and and they will, and you can get them to talk that way. So they can work over public internet with proper router configuration. And the UDP protocol. Yeah, remember that be, we had that. Oh yeah, that's right. We had something set for TCP, and it, and it wouldn't need connect. to be set for UDP. Yeah. yeah, and they have to have that. Yeah, good deal. Uh, I, I love the display that you see the display in the autopilot that's kind of customizable yeah i'm going to make a better one than it is i just haven't had time yet you can make one without all the the extraneous stuff on the outside just just the screen with just meters and each one can have its off and on and off and on and up and down and, and status whatever you need well i found it really easy to read and i love the way that you've calibrated the meters with the red areas and the yellow and, and the green is that something you customize yourself? Yes. yes. Yeah, you set that up inside. You can make the yellow be a warning, and it doesn't email you, but it's a warning, and it'll come up and, and say something. But then when it goes to red, it'll email you, and you need to, you know, you need to give it attention right now. Wow. And we've got a lot of them in the red right now. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, in fact, some are so much in the red, you've turned off their alarm because, yes, we know there's yeah. high vis where yeah. we know. Yeah. And we've got them turned down as low as possible so the transmitter will stay running. And, you know, just turn the alarm, muted, basically, the alarm so that it doesn't alarm you every 30 seconds. Now, before the show, and actually a few times during the show, I've heard some loud noises outside, some kathunks. Uh, 
what what do you reckon that is? That's the ice coming off this tower yeah. from 900 feet. Yes. I'm, I'm thinking it's not coming from the top yet because I reflect it's not going down. Uh, I'm thinking it's from the lower, it's thawing out on the way up. Yes. And we're not getting a big thumbs yet. So we, as soon as our show's over, we're probably leaving here. Well, when you drove up here an hour and a half, two hours ago, uh, could you see the top of the tower? Yes. Really? Yeah. Because when see. I drove up, I could only see about a third of the tower. It was the covered in clouds. And pulling in, the bottom set of guywars lost their ice, and it thumped out in that field, and it looked like a bomb dropping. Oh, wow. Big chunks. So we didn't want to park under a guywar. Have you ever been hit by falling ice? Yes. Yeah, me too. Me too. It hurts. Wow. Wow. Well, thank goodness this building's concrete all the way around, so we have a concrete roof. Oh, okay. That, that's right. It's concrete yeah. all the so way around. So we're pretty safe. In yeah, here. if it comes in here, we're, it was a big chunk. All right. Wow. All right, so this week in Radio Tech, I'm talking to Russ Lafferty. He's a contract engineer from East. And uh, But what kind of area do you tend to cover? Um, I go everywhere, it seems like, anymore. I've got uh, most of eastern Kentucky, east of I-75. I do a lot of work. I have stations in Virginia, yeah. um, from Tennessee, Mississippi, of course, here, Arkansas, Illinois, trying to think where else, Virginia. South Carolina, Alabama, and one in Georgia. Wow. Um, you, um, you've taken a few items away from our stations and fixed them and brought them back. And what one of the first things that I noticed about you uh, when I met you was that you do component-level repair on a lot of things. What I've always done. Yeah. I mean, I've always just worked on stuff, even when I was a kid. I took my toys apart to see how they worked. <laughs> Well, you know, it used to be perfectly normal for engineers to do component level troubleshooting and repair. No one does anymore. Yeah. Um, some things you can't really anymore. They've, they've got some, some of this stuff in here. You, you can't fix it. Yeah, a, human, a human can't work on them. Yeah. Um, for example, you took away a UPS that we had, that big electrolytic capacitors that... They, yeah, they were just that, old and had died. That, right. And I thought, well, I, and I, sh I looked at them with you, I thought, Man, those are an unusual little squat, short form factor. How are you going to find replacements for those? Because so, a lot of manufacturers use parts that are, well, frankly, pretty unusual. How do you go find parts that replace the, the bad parts? I do a lot of searching, and I buy parts out of, of Hong Kong sometimes. Oh. Sometimes you have to wait three weeks for them to get here off the boat. But yeah. you can, you can a lot of times, you can find the older parts like that, older MOSFETs and older capacitors. Um, you just have to be patient. You've been to uh, a couple of far-fung places in the last year. You've been to uh, our Hawaii station, uh, Star 94.3 KHKU, and you've been to American Samoa. Yes, I actually bought a part of the yep. Hawaiian station. Yep. One whole percent. Well, we're equal. We're co-owners in, <laughs> okay. in Hawaii. Um, I was going to encourage you, if you ever get a chance to go to Singapore, there's a there's a, a broadcasting trade show they have every year. But if you go to Singapore, there is a um, there's a building called I think it's called Simlim Square. It's like seven stories of electronics and electronic parts, and you can spend all say, day. I'd, I'd, it'd be hog heaven for me, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, they've got people fixing stereos in hallways, mm. just little. They have a desk and a lamp and a soldering iron. Before I started radio, I, I fixed uh, VCRs and TVs oh. and anything. Yeah. yeah. I started electronics when I was 11 years old. My grandfather was a ham radio operator. Okay. I picked up my ham radio license when I was 11, okay. the first one. 
and it's just been tinkering with stuff ever since. All right, we got stories. I promise you, the next segment is stories. So Russ is getting pre- prepared to tell a couple of stories, and I'll bet you can identify with a couple of these situations yourself. I want to hear about the bears. The three bears? The three bears. Wasn't mama, papa, and baby, was no, it? it was mama and two babies. <laughs> oh, that's even worse. Yeah. Okay. It's This Week in Radio Tech and our show. Oh, stick around for the commercial because it's live. Our show is brought to you in part by Broadcasters General Store and the, one of the best manufacturers around that's Broadcast Tools. Broadcast Tools makes an amazing array of equipment that helps you in your radio station, does things like silent sensors that call out. You know, they used to make these satellite switchers that would take, you know, program different channels on your, on your satellite receiver. But now they make items that are also web-based, like a silent sensor that is web-based, and it will send you uh, either you know, text or email. Hey, I need to ask, I'm putting you on the spot here. Do you, do you have a favorite broadcast tools device that, you know, Work with a lot of the switchers, of the course. Switchers. Everybody works with the switchers. Yeah. Um, I mean, the audio switchers. Yes, yeah. The yeah. audio switchers that, that do the triggers and the relays. Yeah. yeah. So you yeah. can go ahead and serial port stuff into them. So this they, is. You can run a whole automation system on one. I know so, that the um, the Simeon brand stuff yeah. does that. That's mm-hmm. what they use okay. to do all their switching. And this is typically a one rack unit box that. Uh, eight, eight channels. Eight channels. Eight. And some of them have one bus, but some have. They almost all have two buses oh, now. They, okay. have, they have a, a one and a two. <clears throat> Usually use the one for on-air and two for um, streaming anymore, which ah. is very hip. Well, Broadcast Tools, you can go to Broadcast Tools, as one word, broadcasttools.com, and check out their whole array of, of equipment. In fact, maybe Suncast could bring up their homepage just to give you an idea of some of the things that they have. Uh, if you're building a studio, a radio station, that's a room, and we got things in that are tools, just little things that help you get a job done. Maybe it's just a uh, an interface between balanced and unbalanced audio. So you got some, maybe you got some tuners. Hey, at our station, we've got some of those Rolls tuners, yes. and we've got the ones that have the unbalanced output, and we want to go balanced into mm-hmm. our Axia network. Well, uh, Broadcast Tools makes interface boxes for that. They also make uh, AES distribution amplifiers and AES switchers and silent sensors. So you don't have to go to analog to get this done. You can do it with AES. Plus, they have uh, analog distribution amplifiers. Uh, as Russ was talking about, analog switchers. Uh, and also uh, have GPIO interfaces that are really cool. Breakout panels, DTMF encoders. Hey, if you still use DTMF, you might need well, that. I think when I talked to him at uh, NAB last year, he said, I said, do you have a catalog that I can take home? He said, no. We we change stuff and we, we we build new stuff so fast that we don't we can't make a catalog in print. Ah. Go to the website. If you need a little mixer, like people used to use, like a Shure M sixty seven or a M two sixty seven, well they've got little mixers just to help you mix a few things together. Just so put two channels or something. You don't always need what they make at Broadcast Tools, but when you do, they'll solve a problem. Yes, they will. And Broadcast Tools is distributed, of course, by Broadcasters General Store. And I, I love these folks at, at BGS. Uh, I love them. One reason is they have sharp pencils. They will give you a good, good price. Uh, and the best way to reach them is to call them. Of course, you can go to the website, bgs.cc. But they really specialize in you over the phone at uh, 352-622-7700. And I tell you what, if you're going on vacation into Florida and you're on uh, the Florida Turnpike, uh, you want to stop and see them. They're at Ocala, Florida, and uh, they, they've 
nice little shop. They stock a lot of stuff in the shop. Uh, they're right next to the railroad tracks, so they just toss your cargo right onto the train and off it goes. By. Yeah. Doesn't even slow down. Doesn't even slow down. Oh, wow. That's neat. <laughs> they are awesome at Broadcasters General Store. I want to say hi to Jessica and uh, uh, Buck and uh, Dave Kirsten and uh, Shane Finch. All told me that Buck was retiring. Well, he, he, you can't get out of this business. You can't. Well, that's true. You can't. Like a used car salesman. He's yeah. traveled from lot to lot. <laughs> that's right. Right. Thanks a lot, Broadcast General Store, for sponsoring this week in Radio Tech. All right. It's story time. Uh, you're from the mountains of East Kentucky. Right. It's a little bit rough country up there. Yeah, well, you have to do what you have to do. What, what you were doing a while ago reminded me of a story. Uh-oh. Trying okay. to get this show on. Oh, yeah. How we, you were we were around. We, I'll, listen. Uh, how long was it ago? An hour ago, I just was about ready to pack it up and go home. I gave up on the show and I said, one you more can't thing do to, that you have to go yeah, on. Yeah. We have to make it work. That's what we do. One more thing to try. And it was the max connect. And yeah. oh my gosh, that's what we do. It worked. I should have known that. We had a, had a ball game one time. This was probably 20, 25 years ago. Uh-huh. High school football game. Uh-huh. They had a line installed. Was it Friday night? Uh huh. Okay. Until we got there, it wasn't there. Okay. And we couldn't borrow one. Everybody else was using theirs. Okay. We go out of the stadium, across the highway, to this little old lady's house, give her 50 bucks, <laughs> run a 500-foot piece of phone cable, tape, duct tape it to the highway, and run the ball game. We, and we were on the air on time for the kickoff. That's what you do. Oh, my goodness. We had a 500-foot roll of telephone and got out we went with it wow wow through the through the bottom of the bleachers and across the highway she yeah. was the closest house and and the one of the the guys doing the game went over and talked to her and gave her 50 bucks said, can we make a long distance call on your phone for three hours she said fine go ahead <laughs> that uh, that way out classes one time i had to do a remote from the rooftop of a building in downtown memphis the radio station was in the building on the second floor, but the building was probably, I don't know, 14 stories tall, something mm-hmm. like that. And uh, I had never tried it before, but I, I, I didn't have much equipment, but I did have a really long mic cable. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I just ran, a, a, and it was a microphone, not a, it was a dynamic mic like this one. And I ran the mic cable down the fire stairwell and then into the radio station. And I was expecting hum, buzz, nastiness. It was perfect. It was perfect. Just a long, long wire. Yeah. Lucked into that. Wow. Um, Any more remote? uh, One for a basketball game one time. It was in a steel building. This was right after they decided they could do remotes on cell phones on a bag phone. With the remember the the um, cell jack thing. You yeah. put your mic and your headphone into the cell jack. The cell jack, yep. Okay. Yep. Okay. yep. So there was nowhere to hook. It was an aluminum building, gym, with aluminum siding. Okay. It had one window. It was a Faraday cage. Yes. So guess who got to stand on a ladder outside that window holding a beam antenna for two hours? That was one of when I first started engineering. It was like, oh, come on, man. You actually didn't have any tape to tape it to the ladder? No. I had, you had to hold it to yeah, get no. it up high enough That's to work. Oh, my God. All right, you stand there for two yeah, hours. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you're listening to the radio, so you know if you move the antenna a little oh, bit wrong, yeah. you hear it start going. Yeah. <laughs> and you go, what? wait a minute. Okay, right here. That's where we're going to hold it. Oh, 
That was back. That was an analog cell phone. Oh, back it was there. a bag phone. That was yeah. like early nineties. A four watt bag phone. Yes. Now you have another story that involves some bears. Now in East Tennessee, you have bears. Yeah? This is West Virginia. Oh, West Virginia. This was over close to Snowshoe, West Virginia. Okay. Up going up a tower mountain, mountain, and a pickup truck, and around at a curve, and standing in the middle of the road was Mama Bear and two baby bears, and it was late fall, so I'd say she was getting ready to put them to you know eating to go to bed. She stood there and looked at me because she was almost big as a truck. And I sit there and looked at her, and didn't blow the horn. I'm just, well, what do you want to do? And she thought about it for about two minutes and took them, walked off the thing. And they said there were bears all over that mountain where that tower was. And I've not seen them since, but she was there with her cubs. Have you ever? I think you've been to a transmitter site uh, near Whitesburg, Kentucky. Yes. And when I went up this mountain, we both know GC Kenser. Sir. GC owned the station at this time, and we were going up in a four-wheeler to the transmitter site. The only way to get there is you couldn't build a road. Right, right. And if a, and if the four, even though he legally was leasing the land, you weren't allowed to cross the land, at least not on a motorized vehicle. Right. And so uh, we were taking a chance on getting a fine every time we. It was a national force. That's the reason you couldn't yes. do that. So GC uh, said, "You see that hillside right there?" I said, "Yeah." He says, "Don't walk down there." So why? Well, it's covered with snakes. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, that's interesting. I said, how do you know that? He says, well, because uh, typically on Saturday night or early Sunday morning, there's a church or two that does snake handling. Mm -hmm. And they come and get their snakes here. Right. Did he tell you about the old guy that was liable to shoot you when you started up the hill? No. Oh, you didn't tell you. Oh, you didn't warn you about that guy, huh? Because <laughs> you had to go across his land to get to the forest. Oh. So you went when he wasn't around. Oh, <laughs> done a lot of crazy things in the name of radio. Uh, and, and this is not so unusual, but the first transmitter site that I ever worked at with GC Kenser was right there at Pound Gap. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of it, when he lived in the house and the station was next to the house. Mm -hmm. And you go up the, up the ridge and there were ruts that were, I swear, two, three feet deep in, in the, in the road. You vehicle. Well, he, he drove up. Pickup truck. Sometimes there. you could. Sometimes, yeah. And but the, the state line was right there. So in the transmitter building, you were in Kentucky, mm -hmm. and you step out the front door, and you were in uh, uh, Virginia. In, in, Virginia. In Virginia. Virginia. Yeah. yeah. In Pound, Virginia. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. There's a there's a marker right there. State oh. line marker on top of the mountain. And, and 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 what's on the main highway? A beer store. Yeah. Of course. One on each side. Well, no, I remember just one. Well, they, they, they put one on GC's side, or on oh. the side that it was. It's right beside the house now. Well, that's where the radio station was. Right. It's okay. beside the house now. There's a convenience store. Okay. Is it new construction, or was it the radio station? Mm, I don't know. Okay. I know the radio station is in the house now. It's in the house. Oh, wow. GC doesn't own it now. Right, right. Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, I know you've got another story to tell, and we're going to get to it. Let's see. But we're going to take a, a quick break. Uh, first of all, we're going to talk about um, Angry Audio. Could you hold this mic for a second? I forgot to get one of my props. Ladies and gentlemen, Russ Lafferty. Let me find my Okay, I'm holding it, but I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> well, you, you were a disc jockey, weren't you? No, okay. never. You, you hold the microphone for me like this so I can talk. Okay. This is a new product from Angry Audio. It's Tasha's company in, uh, in, in Franklin, Tennessee. And... His products are available from most any dealer. This is the USB analog audio gizmo. It comes with 
adapters you might need. That's great. And here it is. Beautiful box. Circuitry in here uh, designed or at least approved by Mike Dosh. And if you don't know, Mike Dosh is an expert at audio design. He designed uh, one of the lines of PRE consoles. Yeah, the so, RNS. And so um, on the one side, this has a USB port. And over here, it's got analog in and analog out. Now you may think, okay, that's not such a big deal. You can go buy USB to analog interfaces. Well, this one is specifically meant for broadcasters or studios. It doesn't have a bunch of controls that you could actually get left in the wrong place. What it does have, of course, is high-quality analog inputs and outputs. And I mean super low-noise uh, amplifiers here. It'll put out, I believe, it'll peak at plus 24 dBm. How you get that off a 5-volt supply from the USB, I don't know. But my gosh, gets that done. But the significant thing is, so many times I have used, I've experienced this, used a USB interface, and because of differences in grounds, um, I, you, you get some hum or buzz, or you, if the computer's busy or not busy, the background sound changes a little bit. They're not all quiet. This one is quiet. Ground is actually broken between the um, computer ground and the analog audio ground. And he, uh, there's some trick that he uses to accomplish that, but it makes this thing really quiet. And even with my MacBook, uh, my MacBook and a separate uh, USB audio interface, I get hums and buzzes. You don't usually hear it on my show, but I hear it in my headphones. This kills that. This is yeah, really super clean. Comes, like I said, with, with the adapters you need to go to XLRs if you want that, right? Or Studio Hub adapters. And that is called the USB analog audio gizmo from angry audio so check them out angryaudio.com is the website and they have lots of things you want including all the studio hub accessories that you may want and the headphone disconnector i just was reminded of that what a great device would have saved me some trouble throughout my career hey our show is also brought to you by max connect wireless and today our show is coming to you over max collect and max connect and we're actually in practically a Faraday cage right here. And it's working well. I don't know how it's working, but it's working great. We get it about 15 megs down, about 8 megs up, and it's really good so far. So anyway, uh, let's hear a quick testimonial about Max Connect. With all of the recent cybersecurity attacks against large corporations, we were looking for a product that would give us the ultimate security at our transmitter sites and as well as with our broadcast equipment. Max Connect fits the bill very well. Its greatest security feature is the fact that it gives you a single static IP address. Using this single static IP address allows us to close hundreds of open ports on our firewalls across the company and restrict access to only the Max Connect IPs. This has greatly reduced our exposure to the World Wide Web and made us much more secure moving forward. It's also given us the ability to expand as needed in a secure fashion. Max Connect Wireless is a great solution for transmitter sites. You get a fixed IP address, and the data is really good. Uh, the only people with a higher priority than you would be first responders. So you get priority over all the other people in the stadium or at the parade or at the car, car dealer remote. You get that from Max Connect Wireless. Thanks, Josh Bone, for inventing Max Connect. It's at maxconnect.com. Yeah, I know it's spelled funny. M-A-X-X-K-O-N-N-E-C-T, maxconnect.com.
Um, all right. By the way, Max Connect is hiring. If you are an engineer and you want a job, especially in the southeast, but they do work everywhere, connect with Josh Bowen. Talk to him. Um, I want to talk a little bit about favorite equipment. Uh, you deal with a lot of old equipment, new equipment, and once in a while, doesn't it feel good to build something new? Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and and you can specify what it is. Well, you know, yes, what kind of what my favorite thing is. It, it kind of came to me pretty much these these uh, five dot eight gig dishes. Um, they have they have become one of our best friends um, to me. I, you know, so much better to have your own network from studio to transmitter like that for internet and everything than having to rely on. A DSL or you know somebody's you know dial up or something you know I mean, there's no dial up anymore but you know yeah. what I'm talking about and these just put it all in house you're you're in charge of it once you log into a, something at the station I can check everything on the network from my house yeah and yeah. I can see what's wrong before I go fix something take the proper equipment proper parts so that I only have to make one trip that's a big help yes that's a very good point in fact uh, since we talked earlier our fiber internet at the radio station, just a few miles away, appears to be down. Yeah. But all of our transmitter sites are connected to the studio I can right go now. From here to the studio to the transmitter site, ten miles north of town yeah. to twenty miles south of town, because yeah. we're all on one big network. Yeah. So all of our stuff's still working. When you set up these uh, Ubiquity, and it's it's Ubiquity. There's other brands. Yeah. Uh, Ubiquities, generally they're so inexpensive you can buy two. Right. Mm -hmm. right. Uh, I mean, it's it's not hard to convince the station owner. Look, this path is working, but we don't have a backup. It gets hit, gets hit by lightning, and the search protector doesn't. doesn't. Less than a thousand dollars, we can put you in up your own network. Yeah, most of the time. Yeah. Um, do, do you have any any uh, tricks that you like to do, or you know, what's important to you about setting up a path? And by the way, we are you and I operate typically in rural areas. Right. So if you're in a big city that's congested, you probably want to look at a licensed system. Uh, but uh, and because we've uh, at, here at Delta Radio. Uh, I've had a couple of times when there's been interference to my unlicensed system. The main time was there's a one of these storage facilities. You can rent a little storage space just up the road from us. One day, our, our IP radio started going wonky, going to one of our sites. And I, I looked at it, and, and I thought, there's some interference there. I thought, hmm, let me call the lady that runs the uh, storage facility. So I called her up. I said, hey, sweetie pie, I said, um, uh, have you guys got any security cameras there? Why, yes, we just put a couple new ones in, yep. and they're wireless. Yeah. I thought, yeah, okay. She, is, is it causing you a problem? I said, just a little bit, but you know what? I'll handle it. No problem. You don't need to do a thing. So I just moved to I was remote, actually. I was in, in Nashville. And I just moved to a different frequency, and the other end followed right along. It's programmed. One of the good things is you, you can actually do a basic um, – Spectrum analyze, yeah. you know, analysis on, see what else is on your frequency, how strong it is. It'll give you a dB reading. Yeah. So you'll know if something's, you know, strong enough to start interfering with you. And like you said, change the frequency, the receiver will follow you. There you are. Have you noticed, I'm sure you have, but the, uh, the older Ibiquity radios, they could do less. It was less convenient. And if you wanted to use the spectrum analyzer function, you had to shut off the radio. Your link away well the newer ones they have more than one radio in them and so you can do the analyzer analysis of the bands while you're still on yeah. it's very convenient they also have another feature that's pretty interesting you can by default when you power it up 
there's a Wi-Fi hotspot in the radio that. that you can connect I've to. I've got the app on my phone. You can set it up, set your, set your IP address and everything that way before you ever hook it into your network. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you don't conflict with anything. Right, right. Really, some cool ideas. And because most of these systems, you can't really set them up. You can't make them talk to each other on the ground. They need That's too much signal there and too much bouncing around. Yeah, unless you got, you know, I've got a big yard, so I can go a couple hundred feet away, <laughs> put one way out there and power it up and do it that way. Well, there you go. Wow. I had a couple of them in my office while I was figuring out how to get live wire to cross over them. Some really cheap ones, some little, like, like baby's first IP radio. They were just <laughs> cute. And uh, I had them in my office, but I, I had just the feed horn, no dish. And if I arranged them just like put one of them in my server room and one in my office, they were about 20 feet apart, and I got them to work, and I got them to carry live wire over that. And when we put them up, bam, they work perfectly. It's a lot better if you can set them up before you get to where you need. makes you look a lot better, too. <laughs> <laughs> what, other, what other gear are you liking these days? Well, yeah, these are pretty good. I'm, 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 getting, I'm, I'm getting more fond of them. Of course, I'm an old-timer, and I'm a tube-type transmitter oh, yeah. guy from back in the day. But these are, these are they're growing. They're, they're a lot more convenient. They use much less electricity. That's my that's that's my big plus for them. Save I, I, you on your bill. I'll touch on one more topic, and that is being a contract engineer. You go to a lot of uh, remote sites, and in places that not people don't probably know you in some places. And I notice on your lapel you've got a badge that's got a star on it, and it says deputy, uh, and then it's what what county is that? Floyd County, Floyd County, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Tell me about your work as a deputy sheriff and uh, how that may help you in your job, keeping you safe at all. Well, it you know it uh, enables me to, to carry a personal firearm, and I do work. My, the sheriff is a friend, and I do work for them for the repeaters and their two-way radio ah. system. So, to be to be legally on their frequencies talking, yeah, you need to be either you know you need to be a tech with a company or, or work with them. So I work with them. Yeah, so it works out good for both of us. Gotcha. Have you ever been in situations where you felt like, you know, it's a good thing that I'm that I know a little bit about what to do? Yes. Very close to here, actually. <laughs> oh, really? Man, by you. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I've I've, I've felt a little threatened one evening out at not one other site. So, oh, cool. um, it it you know just kind of having a visible uh, something made it made me feel better. Uh, well, that brings up one more thing that we we have suffered a gunshot through a piece of coax at one of our transmitter sites. You know, we suffered a gunshot through the air conditioner. Oh. They went through the air conditioner. I That's thought it. we had a, a, a bullet hole, and the tower climber said, yeah, I can see the house where it came from. You can follow. That might have been before. Before you? Yeah, okay. yeah, it was before. But okay. we've had a, we had a, the air conditioner out there. Okay. Same place. Why would you shoot instead of steal it? can't tell you that. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking they probably weren't aiming at it. It just happened to. A drive-by, maybe. So if people want to get in touch with Russ Lafferty, you're a little bit busy right now, but if the right, you know, project came along, you might be interested in it. How do they find, how do they find you? I just have to give me a call or, okay. or something. I'm, I, don't, uh, I don't do a lot of advertising. I've got, like you said, I'm, I'm about busy. Okay. Well, he's too busy to see I you. I say too. <laughs> well, you, you're not to contact you. You know how to get up with me. You're, you're not too busy to go to Hawaii and American Samoa. No, no, that's part of the job. Daggone it. By the way, I really appreciate the work that you did in Samoa. I know that it was tough conditions. I mean, 
how can how tough can 88 degrees and sunshine skies be? But getting up and down those mountains is tough. Yes, it is. And, and finding stuff when you need a part or something you didn't take with you. Yes. And it's so hard to take stuff with you. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Russ, I really appreciate you being on the show today. Good thank time. you. Thank, thank you very much. I want to wish uh, Chris Tarr uh, a good time with solving his network problems. And thanks again to Russ for being on our show today. We're coming to you from Boyle, Mississippi, transmitter site of WDTL, new site. We're underneath an almost 1,000-foot tower uh, belonging to Vertical Bridge, but it's where WXVT transmits from. Uh, so that's it for our show. Uh, next week, we'll be doing our show live from Cleveland, Ohio. I'll have a, probably a colleague or two from Telos Alliance on there, maybe one of our support people. We'll see if we can uh, you know, divulge some secrets or tell you a few tips to troubleshooting uh, and installing your Telos Alliance gear. And coming up in the future week, we've got Troy Pennington, former SBE president and a terrific engineer and a real gentleman. So Troy Pennington will be our guest coming up in a couple of weeks. That's it for our show. Best of luck. Thanks a lot to um, Suncast for producing today's show and to Andrew Zarian, the founder of the GFQ Network. We'll see you next week on This Week in Radio Tech. Bye.